Greetings. Welcome to Mind Matters News. I'm your appropriate technical host, Robert J. Marks. You know, not all countries need the latest technologies. Those in third world countries don't need high power computers or the latest car from Tesla. They have more fundamental concerns like, how do I feed my family tomorrow? Where do I get clean water? And where can I get energy? Where can I get power? Uh, These needs typically do not involve the latest edge cutting technology. This effort of supplying uh, needed technology is referred to as appropriate technology. It's technology needed by the poor and the marginalized. Appropriate technology is what today's guests do. They are with an organization called Just Energy. It's a small nonprofit that works in northern Haiti doing solar energy systems for hospitals and clinics and schools and orphanages, some really important work. I'm a big fan of Just Energy. This podcast is associated with the Walter Bradley Center for Natural and Artificial Intelligence. The Bradley Center has financially supported the work of Brian and Haiti previously. And I tell you, this is a, this is a, hard, um, this is a hard case to make for me. I'm not a big fan of most most charities and rarely make contributions to them because many are actually bloated. Um, an example is salary of some of the CEOs. United Way makes $1.5 million annually. A guy named Brian Gallagher, that's pretty good for United Way. And when you contribute to United Way, you're contributing to his $1.5 million salary. I like charities that really are charities and their heart is in it. An example is Just Energy. Another one is the Salvation Army, by the way, which is a a Christian-based organization where their CEO makes a good penny. They make a little over $200,000 a year, but still, compared to the order of magnitude salary increase of some of these other larger charities, eh, that's not very much. I can vouch that no one in Just Energy is getting rich. They do things out of love and compassion on a shoestring budget, and among other things, they have volunteer engineering students travel to third world countries like Haiti to assist in the development of appropriate technology. And they don't pay for the travel. The students typically raise their own support. I'm an engineer. Those at Just Energy are engineers. Engineers are said to love things that don't love back. The people at Just Energy are engineers that do love back through applying appropriate technology to poor countries. Representing Just Energy today is Kayla Garrett and Brian Thomas. Brian is an electrical engineer, and Kayla is an environmental engineer. Uh, Kayla, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you. Great. You know, your work has focused primarily on Haiti, In the United States, we hear about the Ukraine, we hear about Russia, we hear about China. We don't hear much about Haiti. Uh, Tell us more about Haiti and some of the work that you do there. Yeah, so Haiti in the areas that we work um, around Capation, it's really only an hour-long flight from Florida. Um, So it's kind of shocking that we don't hear more about the ongoings in in this country. So our nonprofit, as you said, is we're fairly small, but we work in northern regions of Haiti doing solar energy installations at civil work societies like hospitals, clinics, schools, orphanages. Um, and this is done in a place where people on average are living on less than a dollar a day in many cases. 
and Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. So this work is crucial to the livelihood and flourishing of, of many people. Our team in the U.S., as you said, we're all volunteers. Uh, we all have our own day jobs and gigs that we're doing, but we also have a uh, partner with a team of Haitians in country on the ground that are part-time employees um, that do a large part of the heavy lifting in this in these operations. And together with that team is, is where we're designing, installing, and maintaining these solar energy systems with our main mission being to create jobs and increase energy access. That's great. You know, Brian, you, you, you turned me on to a, um, a documentary about how many charities hurt the countries that they're trying to help. Do you remember the name of that? Mm, I think that was Poverty Inc., Poverty Inc. and it was astonishing. A lot of a lot of organizations go into these third world countries and they they hope to help, but they actually end up hurting the countries. I, I found this that documentary very um, very astonishing. Yeah, we find it very sobering. Very sobering. Yeah, it's very sad. We don't want to end up in somebody else's documentary about how to do it wrong. <laughs> You want to stay out of the documentaries. I can see that. Uh, but one of the things that you do is you work together with the Haitians. You don't go in with this air of superiority. You work with them. And some of the businesses that you start and some of the enterprises that you start, you turn over to the nationals. One of the things that I remember uh, talking to you about is work you did in Haiti. Now, this was a while back where you went around to individuals and set up solar panels so that people could come and recharge their cell phones. And you turn that over to the nationals. That's right. We wanted to create little family businesses. Um, and so, yes, those, those are indeed those little, those little cell phone charging businesses based on, you know, a single solar panel. And, uh, and you're right. We, we want to work ourselves out of a job. We don't want to be in the business of making sure things stay up and running or replacing parts when they need to be replaced. One of the things we've done more recently uh, with larger systems is, you know, we, we do recognize that they're going to need maintenance. And so what we've done is establish a team of Haitians to provide that maintenance and they, they get jobs out of that. So again, we are trying to get ourselves out of the work by enabling and empowering, you know, the, the Haitians to take care of each other. That's wonderful. So you talked about energy. Where where do the Haitians currently get their energies, that like electricity, for example? Uh, typically, most of this electricity is from privately owned gasoline or diesel generators, which is which is like distributed across private poles and wires. And typically, under even under normal conditions, which are not happening right now, but in, under normal conditions. Only about 20 to 40% of the population of Haiti has access to a major electricity grid. But of that group that has access, nobody has access 24-7. And so mostly it's it's privately owned household or business-owned generators. But that's problematic in a lot of ways in that Haiti does not have any petroleum reserves of its own. That all has to be imported. So let me get this right. They're, they're individually owned and they are generating electricity and do they make it available to their to their neighbors? Is that what you mean by a microgrid? Well, sometimes they do. Um, it kind of depends on the owner. You know, there's, let's say a bank or a business, they'll run their own generator. They're not going to share. But um, if it's a maybe an orphanage or a school, 
they'll have their own generator. And, and when they fire it up, maybe they have a, uh, some, some outlets that are made available for public use. Mm-hmm. And so people can hear the generator roaring. And so they come walking over to the orphanage or school or hospital and they plug in their cell phone to recharge it or they plug in a rechargeable light that they can then take back home. I see. You mentioned most of these are generators, which are run by uh, petroleum products. You shared with me the history of fuel shortages that occurred in Haiti. Could you could you walk through that? I, I found this very sobering. Yeah, there's there's been a his, there there's a history of fuel shortages in Haiti. Uh, I've been there a few times when there's a, a fuel shortage. So let me let me tell you what it looks like to buy gasoline or diesel. In Haiti, um, there are there are gas stations, you know, just like we have gas stations, but those are they're subsidized, and so the price of gasoline is kind of locked, and it, it turns out, at least in today's conversion rates, it's about two dollars and fifteen cents a gallon, which sounds like a pretty good deal. And the you know the government subsidizes that price for the for the poor people to be able to afford it, but uh, the the lines get pretty long, and sometimes. Uh, they run out altogether. When the, when there when there's long lines, sometimes people have to wait all day long in order to fill up their car or their taxi, or even just a couple of plastic jugs that they use for uh, storing gasoline. In fact, a lot of a lot of individuals they they buy uh, cooking oil in these one gallon jugs, and after the cooking oil has been used, they use that plastic jug to store gasoline in their homes which is a bit of a fire hazard. And I, I can tell you stories about that, but you know, there's even violence. Uh, if you, you know, the closer you get in, get to the pumps in these long lines, you know, the, the more people want to cut in line and push ahead and, and uh, they're, you know, people that they, they turn out, they get, get in fights and, you know, it's, it's ugly, but really even more pressing than that is they run out. They get these subsidized gas stations run out of fuel and then this, the the gasoline has to be sold on the black market in a and what by what we call street sellers what they call street sellers it is definitely illegal and there are definitely people profiting off of it so some some individuals are buying large quantities of gasoline from either from the subsidized gas stations or they're going over into the Dominican Republic and getting it or uh, it's being captured by gangs and then the these the fuel is then resold uh, like at a gallon at a time uh, by these street sellers and the street sellers you'll see them on the corner you can ride your ride your motorcycle up there and they'll just uh, you don't even have to get off the motorcycle they'll just pour it right in the tank for you and you pay them in cash now the the police will chase them off um, if they see them uh, but they'll they'll always come back because the you know the retail gas stations, the retail fillings, uh, filling stations, uh, they run out. And so what are we going to do? We don't have any. So sometimes during these shortages, you know, the, the price gets really high. The longer the retail gas stations have been out, the higher the price gets. Um, recently, we saw, saw prices as high as $25 a gallon. $25? Wow, that's that's worse than the United States. <laughs> yeah, if you think about that, too, and the fact that these people make a lot less money, that's, you know. You have to work a month at a dollar a day. You have to work a month for a gallon of gas, roughly. Yeah, it's 
on top of trying to supply every other basic needs of your family. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's, that's, that's rough. Okay. So one of, one of the results of this sort of thing that, that they, that the businesses shut down, the banks shut down, they don't have any electricity and even scarier the the hospitals shut down. In fact, this happened last fall, fall of uh, 2021. And there was a shortage much like there's, there's another one going on in fall of 2022 and uh, there's a good friend of ours. In fact, he's uh, he's the general manager of our operations there. His wife was expecting a baby, and she had a bit of a rough pregnancy, and they had decided that she needed to have a C-section. And they had the C-section scheduled, but uh, what they didn't schedule was the fuel shortage. And the, the fuel shortage came, and the hospital ran out of gasoline, ran out of diesel, and they had no electricity. So... When they went for uh, their checkup, maybe um, about a month before the C-section, they were told that they were going to need to bring their own gasoline to run the generators in the operating room. You're kidding. So not only do you have to rush your wife to the hospital, you got to bring your own gasoline. That's right. Bring your own gasoline if you can get it. And store it in your house with your pregnant wife. That's terrible. Exactly. Okay, so so let, let let's stop and think. What does that do if, if gasoline is twenty twenty five dollars a gallon? Well, and even if it's not, even if it's ten dollars a gallon, and you make very little money, or you have you don't have a job at all, then gasoline is what is that? That's it's like cash. You can sell that. You can turn around and sell that. So ga- gasoline is like money. Gotcha. So what happened in December twenty twenty one is that a uh, tanker truck was coming in to fill up some of the gas stations there. Uh, this is after the after the gas shortage that I mentioned in the fall. It, it, had, it had ended by that time. But this, this gas truck, the gasoline tanker truck, uh, overturned. And it was laying on its side and it was leaking gasoline. And people were so desperate that they ran out with every little container they could find. This was, this was in a neighborhood, by the way, uh, not a... Uh, on an industrial area. And they started scooping up all the gasoline they could. It was spilling into the ditches. You know, people were, were scooping it up because it's free money. Well, they, they they had to have a lot of mud and dirt in the gasoline they scooped up probably. Wouldn't yeah, be very uh, high quality, would it? No, I'm sure it wasn't very high quality. Um, but I guess more more importantly, after a while, the, the, the puddle of gasoline spread to a trash fire that had been smoldering off in the, on the edges. And, oh um, and the, then the whole thing blew up and, um, over, over 90 people were killed and, you know, burned to death. And it was, it's really quite horrific. I, I was there at the time. Um, we were working at a hospital on a solar project and, uh, I heard the news. And in fact, a lot of the burn victims were taken to the hospital where we were working and, uh, they were bringing people out on in body bags as we were there. It was it was uh, traumatic. There's a there's a saying in Haitian Creole. It's it's a greeting, and uh, it goes like this: One person says "sac passe," and the other person says "naboule." Yeah, naboule, and that means the the question is what's happening or what you know, kind of like "qué pasa" in Spanish. What's happening? And then the answer is not bule means we're burning oh. or we're blazing or we're, you know, we're burning up. And there's sort of a, an ironic sarcasm in that 
it, it means in one hand, hey, I'm all right. I'm doing okay. I'm making, I'm, it. I'm making it. I'm making it by. Yeah, I'm getting by. On the other hand, it means it is also a recognition of how hard life is in Haiti. And it's saying, yeah, we're well, basically we're on fire, but we're we're doing what we anyway. So in that that day, it was literal. And, you know, it really affected me. It really kind of broke my heart. So one of the things that you are doing is you're, in, you're, you're installing solar panels. We'll talk more about this in a little bit. But are you making a little uh, glitch in the use of fossil fuels to power these generators? I think we are. And we're, we're, we're reducing the, the usage and we're sometimes making electricity available when it otherwise would not be, when there otherwise would be no electricity, zero. Just wow. because at $25 a gallon, you just can't afford to turn it, turn on the generator. And the state-owned grid is not accessible or operational. Yeah, that's a good point, Kayla. Um, in the United States, we think about, you know, we get our power from the grid and it comes from some magical place uh, <laughs> off on the horizon. Um, but the, there is no functional grid in Haiti. Or if it is, as, as if Kayla mentioned, or what Kayla mentioned earlier, you know, maybe 20% of the people and that's largely in the capital city of Port-au-Prince, um, have access to power. Nobody gets it 24-7. And places out like the suburbs of Cap Haitian, there's, there is no grid. There is no grid. Wow. Okay, so the, the fall of 2021 is when you had to take your own gasoline to the hospital in order to, have, in order to deliver a baby. Uh, there was also a... a fuel shortage in the fall of 2022, just recently, right? What was going on there? That's right. In fact, uh, that's going on right now. And what's going on is that there are some heavily armed gangs. Um, and there's a one particular gang led by a fellow who goes by the nickname Barbecue. And he has taken control of the two ports where fuel is imported into Port-au-Prince, the capital city. So crime is, wow, that means there's lots of crime there. He's essentially kidnapped, you know, the fuel. He's taking it, he's holding it hostage. He's not allowing it to flow out into the rest of the country. Doesn't the government push back on this at all? There would probably be if there was much of a government standing at the moment, um, Last summer, the president of Haiti was assassinated, and uh, currently, the previous prime minister is the acting president. And there's there's very little political stability in an already tumultuous situation. Wow! Yeah, in fact, just just yesterday, Bob, the um, prime minister asked for asked the international community for armed intervention, armed help. He invited them in. Who who did they ask? Did they ask like the United States or? Uh, uh, I believe else? it was the. I'm I'm not sure. I, I, the 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 newspaper that I the newspaper story I read just said it was the invited the international community. I think it was a maybe a global announcement, but presumably it would be the United Nations or the Organization of American States, uh, perhaps the United States. I I don't know. I can I can't see that happening, but. Um, well, we certainly send a lot of money to Ukraine for military reasons. It seems that uh, we could help out uh, help out in Haiti also. Unfortunately, anytime the United States gives money, it, it arrives in leaky buckets. 
uh, and it doesn't get to where it's supposed to go many times. Yeah, there's not an infrastructure to receive it properly either. It's it's, it's scary because then it just goes to empower the people who are causing the trouble. You know, another complicator too is cholera. They uh, have in the last week had outbreaks of cholera, which hasn't happened in years. Yeah, it, it, it it's. It hasn't because they've had clean water, but because of the lack of fuel, they can't operate water purification facilities and uh, cholera is a waterborne disease. And so it's starting to spread. And now you add that, you add that to the fact that the hospitals don't have electricity to treat those people. And we're looking at, you know, a pending humanitarian crisis, in my opinion. Oh, my goodness. So what are the hospitals doing? Are they are they still trying to operate without power? Are they closing down? What are they doing? Some of them are. Uh, some of them are are trying to operate. Some of them are operating on limited hours. Um, some of them uh, have solar <laughs> solar energy systems that that we've put in, and they're actually able put to in. do it. They're actually operational. Just this week, we received a a message from one of the clinics that we had worked on last year, got this new solar system put in for them. Um, this is from a little, uh, I'd say a medium-sized clinic that out, and this is outside the town of Cap Haitian or the, the city of Cap Haitian, just in a little town outside of it. And, uh, the doctor says in his note, he says, this is to tell you how the solar system really helped at this difficult time. While the other medical centers are obliged to close or work limited hours, we are able to function as we used to, saving people with asthma and those in need of oxygen by using electric oxygen concentrators. Our clinic performed 41 C-sections last month, partly because no one could get to cap patient. Yeah, there's no fuel for transportation, so they couldn't get into the cities. He says none of this would be possible without the solar system. Boy, that's wonderful. That that must give give you a warm feeling that you were a part of supplying that. Yeah, it's it's rewarding to be part of that. Congratulations. That's uh, that, that's really a blessing that you've given them. So let, let's ask right now, um, where are you at? What do you need? Uh, Just Energy is a nonprofit organization, but most of your people, as, as, um, as Kayla said, are volunteers, and you need money to hit the ground and to do things. Um, so tell me, what are your needs right now? Well, right now, I'd say that our biggest need is donations, um, money for propane generators to send in, a, in an instance of relief uh, for just providing electricity right now in a form that can be used. Um, just, just to give an example, how much would a propane generator cost? I'm sure they change depending how big it is, but uh, kind of a ballpark. Surely, yeah. We're looking at a uh, kind of a smaller one. Um, we think about a $3,000 cost, buys the generator, converts it from running on gasoline to be able to run on propane, and then helps with the tr- transportation costs of getting it there. We're partnering with a, another NGO called Archangel Airborne, which is kind of private plane that's going to be taking in some things for us and for some other groups. Now, um, tell us how to financially contribute to Just Energy. And if you can't contribute specifically besides prayers, what you can, what can you do? Yeah. So we do have a website, um, justiceandmercy.energy. And that's where you can find more information about the work that we're doing, as well as make a secure donation through PayPal. Um, those donations can go towards paying for these propane generators, or in many instances, it 
it pays the paychecks of, of our guys in Haiti doing maintenance and installations of all these projects and keeping the systems up and running um, that we can give them equitable pay for the, for the service that they're doing. So justiceandmercy.energy is a great place to do that. Justice and mercy. And all three words are spelled out without spaces. Justice and mercy. Dot energy, not dot com, but dot energy. That's, yep. that's kind of cool. And uh, is, is there a way that if somebody wants to mail you a check, like um, I'm not a big user of PayPal. I'm a, I'm a Venmo guy, or I like to send checks through my bank. Is there, is there a way that you can send an address where you can send the uh, send checks? A good, a good address would be one bear place. Number one bear place, like the animal. And then that's PO box six triple zero three. Okay, and that's in that sounds like Waco, right? Yes, that's Waco, Texas, seven six seven nine eight. So let me repeat it: number one bear place, post office box six zero 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 three, in Waco, Texas, seven six seven. What was the last two digits? Nine eight. Nine eight. If you didn't get that, and you're listening, and you're interested, we'll put this uh, in the podcast notes. So that is really great. Guys, what you're doing is incredible. And you're doing it on a shoestring. You're doing it out of love. And um, I, I don't know. You're, you're astonishing. So God bless you. For well, doing thank you. Hey, Bob, we do have a Venmo, too. You do have a Venmo. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the address is. It's the Creole word for just energy. <laughs> it's the what word for it's just the, energy? It's the Haitian Creole spelling of just energy. It's G's energy. J-I-Z-E-N-E-J-I. Okay, we'll put that in the podcast notes also. Brian, Kayla, thank you. You're, you're, you're an inspiration. We've been talking to Brian Thomas and Kayla Garrett from Just Energy about their current work in appropriate technology in Haiti. Uh, we're going to continue this dialogue because I want to learn a little bit more about what's going on there. But until then, be of good cheer. This has been Mind Matters News with your host, Robert J. Marks. Explore more at mindmatters.ai. That's mindmatters.ai. Mind Matters News is directed and edited by Austin Egbert. The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the speakers. Mind Matters News is produced and copyrighted by the Walter Bradley Center for Natural and Artificial Intelligence at Discovery Institute.